right, guys, we got a brand new podcast for you guys to listen to. It is called Ripcast Chaos, and it's in the mix with the Radio Impound podcast. So you'll see it titled Ripcast Chaos, and that podcast is non-RC related. Episode one is in the mix. You'll see it there um, right underneath this one. And a friend of mine from school back in the day, Steve Masker, joined us. It's a good episode, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. So, with that being said, coming right up, episode 194 of the Radio Impound podcast with myself, Gotti Jr., and J Concepts' very own Jason Rona. The road to 200 continues, despite all the rumors out there that I was going down the road and I took an exit and started a new podcast, Chili Duncan. He made an awesome meme. I'll share it. Chili, it was freaking hilarious. I laughed my ass off. So I appreciate that, bro. So the road to 200 continues next. What episode are we on? We are on episode 194. Okay. We're clicking these things off now. And plus we debuted another things. podcast uh, yesterday. Ripcast Chaos. I like it. I like the sound of it. The funny part is I don't, I mean, I knew I was like threatening to have another podcast, but I never <laughs> took you seriously. Threatening? <laughs> Threatening? I'm threatening. <laughs> I was like, I was like, really? You're gonna have another podcast? I would just laugh, and, then, and it's like, oh, first episode's out. I'm like, really? Cool. I told you I was. I was up front with you. Yeah, I, I just didn't think it would actually happen. Threatening. I was threatening the listeners with another god awful podcast. <laughs> Listen, if you guys don't become uh, patrons of the show of this show. I'll, I'll start a whole other show. Yeah, take that. God damn it. <laughs> when will this guy go away? Teach them. I remember when we first got started in the RC business, we were we had a pre-order list uh, for the, oh, I remember that. the BJ4 was how it started. We talked about this before. But then we started having them for bodies. <laughs> Because we would we would show a body and we you know have it at a race or something. This is when we just we got just started. It was like the first several months, and it was like you know we had a pre-order list because uh, the way our website was set up, we could do that. And I remember somebody finally emailed and they were just like, they're like, look, don't you think you should get out one of your bodies first before you start a pre-order list <laughs> for another one? <laughs> Yeah, that was a good point. Good point. It was. It was a good point. <laughs> it was funny. I had a good laugh anyway. I was like, "Well, <laughs> you're kind of right, but man, you're an ass too." <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah, people on the internet, man. Oh yeah, it's brutal. You should see these messages and emails sometimes we get from people. It's like, they're so rude. Um, and it's just like, I, I can't believe that they, they would talk to people like that. 
it's bad. It's just, you know, just the level of expectation and then their ability to change <clears throat> kind of uh, tweak reality uh, in their favor, which is like, you know, we'll get people that'll, you know, they'll send an email like Friday evening. Right. And about something. And then during the weekend, they'll either send messages to Facebook or more emails that say, look, I asked my question on Friday. Wow. I still have not heard back. Yeah. What is going on? I cannot believe that you have not responded yet. And, um, <clears throat> And it's like, well, you know, it's the weekend. Yeah, they want the instant response, though. So. Absolutely instant. And and then there's people that once you call them out on something, if you've had enough and you're just like, what, you know, then they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, that was as far as I could go. Sorry. You know, like, they'll like. kind of lay off a little. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's amazing what, what people will say. It's like I've never emailed anywhere, any, probably the rudest emails ever sent that I've ever sent is to the Orlando Magic. <laughs> really? Yeah. Orlando Magic, what'd you say to them? Well, I think it was in response um, to an email they sent, like asking for season tickets, you know, like you know they're trying to get season ticket sales going. And I was finally, I was just like, I'm like, okay, so you guys couldn't resign Shaq. Um, uh, you signed a injured Grant Hill who never played a healthy season ever for your team. Mm -hmm. You you never could sign another player to go along with Tracy McGrady. Um. Then um, you draft number one, Dwight Howard, in the draft. Um, then he wants to leave the team, and you allow him to get traded to the Lakers. So I'm like, okay. It's like, what exactly are you guys good at? <laughs> True. It's it's like you. you it's like you. You're a horrible franchise. Horrible. Yeah. You can't keep the superstars that you draft. The ones you do get are either injured or you make them play all by themselves. You can't, you know, get another guy to play with them to actually have a great team. And then all your coaches only last two years. It's like, yeah. And you sent this in the email, and did you ever hear back? I think so. Yeah, I, oh. think the, I think the season ticket salesperson responded. You, know, yeah, you know, it's like, like, <laughs> what was the Beavis and Butthead? Uh, I can understand your frustration. <laughs> yeah, something I, I like that. Yeah, I can understand your frustration. Uh, it was something very similar to that. Sorry, sir. Would you like a shake with yeah. that? Would you like some fries? Uh, I'm sorry. I can understand your frustration. Yeah, you know, something to that effect. It was just like... 
probably a generic response though, because they probably had to send those out a lot. They were asking us one time uh, when uh, uh, my dad's uh, construction company he had some. We had season tickets one year, and I remember they sent out like a questionnaire asking about what could be done better and you know what would you know what is better you know from a fan's perspective and you know getting people to attend games and you know it was a big questionnaire you know it's like this mm-hmm. professional thing that they pay to have done and i was like look i'm like i can give you a bunch of stuff <laughs> so i'm like all right so i just started i'm like well for one i said i said when you drive by the orlando arena i said you cannot see anywhere that what game is happening that night and that tickets are on sale. I'm like, you probably have, because this is the main street or main road. I four in Orlando goes right by the building. I'm like, probably a million people go by there every day in their cars, but nowhere does it say Orlando magic plays tonight. Seven hmm. P you know, you're Driving to work, you're probably not doing anything. You got your cell phone. You're like, oh, I can get tickets for tonight. I'm like, that was the number one thing to me that I was just, I could never believe. Like, I was like, why would you guys not advertise outside your own building that there's games going on? You have 41 home games. Yeah. Plus preseason or playoffs. It's like, why would you never, why would you not have something like this? Um, <clears throat> And where they put it, they put it on the street. They had a sign that was on the street in front of the building that wasn't a through street. <laughs> like nobody could go down this other street where the sign actually was. Good Lord. It had zero traffic. What an anyway, organization. I don't know how he got on this thing, but it is a joke, man. That's like this stuff. I, I see these professional sports teams. I mean, like, we could go into it forever with the Lakers or whoever, but it's like you guys couldn't be a bigger joke. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, how brutal. And it's, it, I'm sure it does suck today with the news and the uh, social media and everything else that's out there. Uh, uh, the truths, fake news versus the truth. But man, when you got that kind of money, and that kind of history, like the Lakers and the New York Knicks and all these teams, how could you be just so bad all the time? I mean, make such poor decisions. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Sense. I mean, I, I know I can go in there and change some things around. Yeah, you could hire me or you. Yeah. And it's like you could get in there and it's like you, I'm sure there's huge obstacles like anything. There's only so much you can do, but it's like at least you could just say, okay. This all, all this BS stops right here, and I don't care if we're pleasing LeBron or pleasing whoever it is. This is the way this is run, and it's about this. It's about the Lakers and this, and you know, you start from scratch. You just say, "Look, we're not going to be a joke." Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever, I'm sure it's a lot easier said than done. Just like yeah, we could do it. Running an RC company. <laughs> Well, you're a smart dude. You put us in the franchise, I, I think, within, like, if we go to the Lakers right now and we had sole control, within five years, we turn that around. 
The crazy part is these people, these franchises basically have unlimited money. Money is no object for the Lakers. Like, it's not like, oh, we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, there's none of that. It has nothing to do with that. It's it's everything else. You know, any other business you're in, it's like, well, it'd be nice if we had the money. (laughs) (laughs) That business, they have everything but... They have every other problem but the money part yeah. of it. Isn't that weird? It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> RC racing. <laughs> Working on a press release right now. All right. Heavy heavy metal grease. RM squared heavy metal grease. Oh. I sent you the uh, text in the uh, chat window. You know, we have this uh, product line. Um, kind of had like a we'll call it a soft release but we had some things which uh ryan mayfield's name on it and we call it rm squared when you write it it looks like rm2 but it's supposed to be rm squared which um the name is ryan mayfield momentum and so the logo is rm squared but anyway we created this name just because i felt like It, it, to me, the the momentum is the part that I see when he's racing. So, um, keeping up the momentum and just stuff he does on the track, anyway. Really, anyway, that's how we started that. And uh, you know, we're having we're trying to have a couple products here and there that uh, things that he's interested in and has used and been successful with. So, uh, trying to get some of these things out there. And got a couple of aluminum uh, tools tool parts coming uh for this line <coughs> and uh, a couple things that he's wants to have out there what's funny is he's not really into all this kind of thing but <laughs> i kind of tell him like hey this is stuff you use and uh other people would use it as well including me so yeah it's been good so again a few of those things out this summer along with uh, we got a long list of pre-releases we just sent out to distributors what we usually do is we we try several weeks ahead of time um you know when we can we try to get out a release of hey what's coming down the road Uh, give them the heads up so they can pass on to their uh, pass on to the dealers or whatever the case may be of what's coming so and this is a busy, busy, it's kind of ramping in. Well, the racing events is always busy, but for whatever reason during the summer, it seems like they always get super busy. Um, so that's where we are right now. We're, in, we're just starting the summer of RC, and we got a couple, well, just a couple of events we have going on right now is. Uh, we got just came back from the spring dirt oval nationals, which we'll talk about. We talked, we've been talking some oval, right? Yeah. Dirt oval. And, uh, we got back from, did some monster truck stuff, uh, did the dirt oval and Thomas is leaving tomorrow for a manufacturer's cup, which is at a mains track in Chico, California. 
and uh, Fred and I are going to go to the Bigfoot Open House, which we went last year, and I think I've been two years in a row. So this will be my third year. Uh, I was pretty excited about that. It's a free event they have in Pacific, Missouri, where they you can just come out there. They have some old school monster truck crushes. They have uh, the new trucks get out there and do some performances. And then we have an RC race out there in the parking lot. Uh, just all kinds of stuff going on. And it happens really fast, but it, uh, it's been it's been fun. So hope the weather kind of holds out and we can have a good weekend there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then you know, we have an RC program there. <clears throat> then, So that's the same time Thomas will be at Manufacturers Cup with the Ryans, Spencer, Alex K. A lot of our guys will be there at that event. Um, and then right after we leave the Bigfoot Open House, we're going to Horizon Fest, which Horizon is a big distributor in RC. Uh, their town is Champaign, Illinois. And... Uh, first, we start out, we do a little convention at a hotel. Chicago show-ish, but not mm. Chicago show. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Then, so once that's over, then they have, uh, I forget the name of the field. Uh, that has the name of the field. But then they have like an outdoor event, which is like anything RC that there is, whether it's land, surface, that's the same surface or air or water. I think they have dis, you know, displays and demonstrations, and all kinds of stuff going on at this horizon fest. So after Bigfoot open house, Fred and I are driving to champagne. Allison's meeting us there. Oh. And then, then we'll do that event together. Um, and during that same time, uh, Thomas and Paul will be in Alabama for the AMS. Uh, big event now, uh, 10.0, 10 years. Uh, I believe Paul and I went to the first one, took our truck and trailer there. Very first time we went, uh, uh would be 10 years ago. So man, it's, uh, gone by fast. So, Jeez. So AMS, uh, Paul and Thomas will be there, and then we'll be at Horizon Fest. And then we have Rich, who works for us, who is going to be up at the K&K event in Ohio, which is a scale event. We were, hmm. you know, last time we talked to Brad Geck from Associated, he said they're going to be at K&K. Yep. Um, so uh, Rich is going to be there, and you know we got – we got some new releases uh, kind of around the board, different genres. In, uh, so in the next several weeks, we should be able to show quite a few of those things. So we got all those events happening right here in June. And then it's a week break, and then the Roar Fuel Nationals in Hutto, Texas. Then a decent little break after that. but <clears throat> But yeah, it's... June has been pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, all and all things different. That's what I kind of like about it is uh, mixing it up a little bit. It's going to be uh, within all that stuff. We'll have uh, eight scale buggy racing, scale trucks, 
monster trucks and then whatever else they can throw at us at the horizon fest we'll be checking that out too so it's just nice to be involved and being around our rc family right yep so yeah a lot going on uh then uh, a little later in the year uh last two years it's been in july but i think now it's the end of August, early September is the RCDRL Super Nationals in Texas. That's a um, drag racing event. So we'll be out there as well. <clears throat> going to have a little bit of everything. So I think I'm going to do Axial Fest with Rich this year. That's yeah. a big scale a scale event. I'll be out there with him. Um, and then... I'll be, I'll probably do the drag race event too. So I'm hoping to get to experience firsthand at an event like that drag racing and scaling trucks still uh, this year. So people have been asking me online and stuff like that about the differences and these running these different classes and, you know, switching from monster trucks to dirt oval and uh, all kinds of, off-road and kind of enjoying it so yeah we got a lot of these events coming up guys just kind of getting back in the swing of things had that uh the event up in tacoma that thomas came back from mayfield and dustin evans kind of split victories out there uh mayfield tq'd both and but uh he ended up winning two wheel, getting second and four wheel. It's the B seventy four's first uh, new, you know, the new associated four wheel that just started shipping. Yeah, uh, they're uh, got the first win with that car, so I think they're pretty pumped. We had a good topic, I guess, is Spencer Rivkin and um, Dustin Evans went to Slovakia for the Ifmar World Warm Up. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, which is a which is at X-Ray's test facility, or it's Hootie Arena X-Ray's test track and their mm -hmm. racetrack. But uh, I don't know. Talking to Spencer, um, I just kind of got the sense that he was a little bummed in a way. Um, and he's, he said that uh, he felt like he was driving well, uh, they got a little faster while they were there, but he said he still felt like um, they they're just missing some speed that that only seems like it can come with track time. And uh, he kind of feels like they they're, they're going to have to do some work or find a track that's similar in conditions to practice on because it's a huge like it was a huge track like they were doing like 30 something second lap times which by by today's standards in 10 scale i mean mayfield just ran that race in tacoma they were doing was it 13 second laps and you know now they're running a world's warm-up and it's like 35 second laps or something like that so it's just a big track and it's really loose it doesn't have any traction it's handout tires, you know, it's a control tire for the world, of course. And he said you don't have a lot of grip 
the laps are really long and he feels like he um, he, he could get some he, he needs a little more track time wheel time on those type of surfaces <clears throat> so he said they were doing well Yuna uh, Hattinen which is the associated in J Concepts driver from Finland you know becoming a better racer uh, over the years he got third in two wheel drive but the x-ray guys really kind of dominated the event and it's not really a lot different than what I think people were expecting for a first trip, but not everybody went either. You know, like, you know, the Mayfields and Cavalieries and Runafalks and um, I, I know I'm missing a bunch, Dakota Finn and Ty Tessman. None of those guys were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but clearly, Spencer, Dustin Evans, and these other guys are good representatives of what we can bring to that event. And they were a little off the pace. So, um, so I think uh, he feels that he got some work to do to be competitive at that event. And, um, so did we we'll get, see. did we get dirt samples? <laughs> I don't know if they did that. And uh, take a wheelbarrow around the track with a camcorder mounted on the front. No, Damn. I don't think they did that. He said the best practice is probably just driving on slick concrete. He's like, go to a warehouse that has a concrete thing, throw a little bit of sand on it, and then that be your practice track. Well, I saw photos, and that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> He's like, is this concrete? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you know, the the dirt was all cracked and everything. You could t- like deep cracks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I mean that's typical of a of dirt that's been in for a long time, and it shrinks. You know, the dirt shrinks, and mm-hmm. then you get those cracks. So, so I was like, man, that's got to be slick as hell. Yeah, they said it was, and, and I think uh, it will improve. I mean, they'll probably do a new surf. They'll mm-hmm. chew up the track and lay it back down, right? Um, you usually kind of till it up or use a machine to move the dirt around and you lay it back down. I'm sure the layout will be a little shorter. It's not going to be 30 something second laps. Um, it'll probably be in the, you know, 20, the high 20 range, which I think is probably good. You can cut like five seconds or so off the lap, uh, rebuild the track surface a little new layout. I think our guys will be closer just from that. And then maybe a little bit of uh, um, testing on their own. Maybe they can find some magic. But clearly it's looking like it's going to be tough uh, to go in there and, and, and win one or let alone two classes. Um, I don't really know how to explain it right now other than it seems like it's it's going to be an uphill battle. <clears throat> I mean, I... I, I mean, since I well, I guess we have raced at a manufacturer's track with Yokomo. You know, they own Yatabi Arena, but I guess you just gotta hope that they get the track kind of redone and they don't practice on it, and it's a little more fair going into the actual race. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you're gonna do that, but 
Well, in today's racing, it's just so expensive. Um, you know, I've never heard, you know, in, in my heyday of the 90s, you never really heard about racing budgets and, oh, it costs so much to go to this race or to go to Japan to win the Worlds. Um, back then, it was just the company spent whatever it took to go and, and run these races because um, they sold a lot of cars. And it was important to be the world champion or at least compete to be the world champion. In today's day, these results only last a couple weeks. So it's like, yeah, you might win the worlds. And if you have a release to go with it, sure, you could benefit from it for a little while. But after about two weeks, people just, they forget who, who's the champ, you know, and you, you move on. It's like when it's like, uh, when these Super Bowls finish, when the NBA Finals finish, it's like the second that game is over, you're like, you know, especially if you're not a super fan, you you just move on right away. You're like, oh, no, well, that's over. Turn it off. You're on to the next thing. Now we're on to the off season. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. Oh yeah. But most people are just like, okay, whatever, I'm done. Um, and that's how a lot of these race results are now. There's so many events and so many things to keep track of that people, I think, are tuned into these things here and there. And they take a little bit from each event and uh, kind of form their own opinions. But it's hard to make a big splash uh, and then take advantage of it because if you go to a race with a prototype car, or prototype vehicle, you're hoping to sell it. Um, but a lot of times it's not ready to sell the moment the event's over. So the buzz wears off. It's just a, it's a hard situation to, to benefit from these days. And whereas back in the old days, it was always, they were selling so many cars in those days that it was sure you went to the world. You spent whatever it took because it was a big deal. Now it's like, well, in two weeks, there's going to be another race. And that one will carry weight for three or four days and the world's is two weeks. Mm. <laughs> right? So, I, you know, I'm just uh, kind of throwing some numbers. Yeah, I understand what you mean, though, man. Just so many so races. If you're going to go to the world's, if you're going to go to the world's and spend thirty, your team's going to spend thirty or forty thousand to go there and run Jesus. this race. Uh, you know, you have a few tries. You know, we figured out um, the other day entry fee plus your tires <clears throat> plus your travel, um, and then you add up how many guys you want to have there. Um, it adds up real quick and it's like, all right. So if you do win and you spent $40,000 for your team to be there, are you ever going to get that $40,000 back? Um, so that's, you hear people talking about that more these days than they did in the nineties. Um, and back in the nineties, there was only five or six major races mm. and there was, you know, you didn't, do the eight scale tour either. Now you're doing eight scale, 10 scale. Um, you know, there's touring car stuff. There's all this other things that they're going on. You know, it's like, uh, you know, psycho nitro blast has, uh, seven or 800 entries and PMB or, uh, AMS will have 500 and all these races, big races out there have big turnouts, a lot of racers in person. You can go and, and, uh, be there one-on-one with people and they can see you race. 
before you go to the world, it'll be probably 140 entries. Um, it's going to cost you 40 grand to go there. Um, as a big team, have a big team, you know, uh, <laughs> it's tough. Very tough. That's the thing. I see all these races out there now, and I think there's too many of them, right? But then I see the entries at these <clears throat> races, and it doesn't seem like it, it, it's not too diluted with races. Because, I mean, obviously, people are going to these things. And it seems yeah. like RC's doing pretty well from my standpoint when I'm looking at this and hearing that the entries are up in 400 plus. And, um. I'm just amazed by that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can look at some of these things, I guess. Um, what, what I see people doing a little more now than I guess when I was um, doing the majority of my driving is they build up to an event, whereas they might take two, three weeks off and then they hit an event, right? Then they take another two or three weeks off. Then they hit another event. Whereas um, I think that's why we get these spikes in race turnouts. So it's like, oh, we get 300 here, you know, 400 there. Mm -hmm. But in between these spikes, there's, I think, less overall action um, between those spikes of events. And I think there's also a difference between races that run for profit versus races that are run at a hobby store or run at a track, right? So if you're trying to hold or host a race for profit, which is essentially what um, a Dirt Nitro Challenge or a Silver State or an AMS or a Psycho Nitro, all these races are really put on to try to make a profit. Um, the race promoter is renting a facility. They try to attract a bunch of racers there and, you know, they charge a good entry fee. And at the end they, they hope that they can walk out of there and make some money. Well, um, the somewhat unfortunate part about those events is there, there's a lot of them, but it doesn't really help any of the tracks or hobby stores that are out there directly at that moment so um, and i think that's a big part of this um you know we have race promoters that want to hold races but it's really it's for profit for them or to attempt to make a profit not that that shouldn't happen <clears throat> but that's a part of the business now and and they do attract good entries. They do get a lot of racers out there because I think guys are now conditioning themselves to do these weekend shootouts versus like kind of beating down the club race doors. Yeah. So instead of like club racing two or three times a week and then running their local point series, they're like venturing out a little bit more. Um, in doing these weekend shootout type things. And um, so it takes some of their budget away, right? So, because it's a little more expensive to do that. But what I notice at these events is people really like them. 
they they like going to these things. They like to gear up for something that has a name to it. You know, that's what people say: road to the Reedy Race, or road to AMS, or road to this. Or road to two hundred. They like to road to two hundred. It's like it's a goal, right? It's yeah. like you gear up for these things. You know, you post your pictures. You're getting ready, and you know you get there and you have this experience, good or bad. And you write a race report on Facebook about how it didn't go as well as you wanted it to, but you had a great time. Um, but that that's kind of the, the pattern now. And, I, I, you know, like it or not, that's kind of how it's it's been going, I, I think. You know, to me, what we did in the 90s, and it's never going to always be the same, but it was like we just club raced all the time, and there was five or six big races that you ran. Yep. And that was for me because I was a traveling driver. Most people didn't have that opportunity, so they would go to a, a regional or a state championship. Uh, but then they would hone the skills at a club race. Yeah, I would go to like two big races a year. I would try to. Yeah, and that was probably a lot for somebody. <laughs> yeah. you know, the fact that you could do two, the fact that you could do two was probably a good amount. Mm-hmm. But I do understand how people like doing these things because you can, they like to gear up for stuff and they like it. They like that there's something a little more on the line versus a club race where they feel that there's no real, there's nothing for them to gain. In truth, there's everything to gain if you're trying to be a better driver, but there's nothing you can get out of it socially. Um, a social media wise there's no nothing on the line it's like if you go online and say hey i got you know i got third at the club race last night i'm pumped everyone's like yeah you know <laughs> but when you have like this long lead up build up uh you know road to reedy you know road to whatever mm-hmm. and you're you're you have this long it's like in wrestling you have the long storyline like you know the, the the macho man versus hulk hogan mega powers explode took like a year and a half to build that story. Right. Yeah. And it was like this ride. And, uh, and I think that's how people are treating these things is, um, they're gearing up for these events and they run that road. They like that road to getting there, the road when it's going on and the road when it's over with. And then when they get home, they regroup, and see what's the next thing they're going to do. There's more of that now than there ever has been. I mean, not to say that there's no club racing and that, you know, but I think it's just a different way um, things are going these days. And um, a lot of people feel like they, um, I, I notice people too, they feel like they're really missing out by not being somewhere. You know, we have guys that we're close with, that race and i feel like they feel like if they don't go to ams they're missing out on something like man i you know they can't go and run some laps or get better at a, uh, a local event they feel like they have to be at ams to be a part of the cool or whatever the ams of the of the day is but say that you know that's the next one coming up and it's like if you're not going there you're nobody you know you you gotta it's it's fun to be a part of that circle 
Um, so I don't know where we're going with this completely, but, but yeah, in general, this is, this is the, the, the situation that things are in. And, um, you know, uh, what's a little different about what we do because there obviously there'll be something that Wally J concepts has all these events, but a little bit different. What we're doing is all of our events, especially our national series stuff are at tracks or hobby stores where they have the ability to benefit from having the race. Um, you know, there's a, uh, like we've talked about before, they get, um, you know, they have entry fees, they have um, practice days, they have uh, any sales going on while the race is happening. Um, so I kind of feel like it's a little, uh, it's a good thing uh, to have them at these tracks and hobby stores because there is some benefit there. And we try to give that track more exposure than what they would normally get uh, when they have an, when we have an event there. Uh, we try to talk to or interview people that are critical or um, a, a part of their reason for their success. And, um, make people want to go. Make people mm-hmm. want to be there. Um, and and that's a big part of it. So, And I, I like visiting these new places or places I've been to before. I like the idea, like, because to me, like, you have all these races going on, or if, you know, and you want to, like you were saying, you know, guys feel like they're missing out on something if they don't go to a big race or whatever. But, like, when Brandon was on the show from IRC talking about point, like, the new live time or whatever, mm-hmm. and, like, they were going to have, like, and I'm not sure how it works right now, but they were going to have achievements. Like, so if I went to this one track, the race on a Saturday... Uh, and I completed a, an achievement, you know, fastest lap time or whatever. You can get these achievements. Can, and, and I still think we need this points ranking system for everybody to get ranked. I think that would be, I think that would be really awesome to, you know, to have a ranking for these, for these guys. Well, what I think, what yeah, what you're saying is. You um, go to a big race, you finish somewhere and who knows where you're not in the top 10, but still you're getting points for what you're doing get achievements you're i don't know just give these yeah. guys something to work towards well i think what that comes down to is your activity what you want to do is you want to inspire or give people a reason to be active and that's exactly what that is if you're going to have rankings or just some type of a bonus um <clears throat> whatever you call it um I mean, we have the we have, we have this top twenty five thing, but don't we need a rank? We we've talked about this a hundred times on the show. I think we need a ranking, mm-hmm. a national ranking system here. Yeah, and and it's not to me. It's the 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 top twenty five. I like to look at for the top drivers, but to me, that's also not really as important as the one that monitors your activity and builds something with your activity, and yeah. which is, uh, you know, ranking is great for finding out who the top dogs are. But at the same time, everybody knows who the top dogs are. Um, what, what, what's important to me is, is getting, is having your uh, activity mean something and to know that information and to be able to say, Hey, the reason why so-and-so sponsored is because he ran 127 times last year. Yep. 
you know, uh, that was great. You know, he's out there, he's, he's uh, running the product, he's, he's uh, helping things out, he's working on the track. And, you know, I mean, these are a lot of things that would be nice to know. And things that have been promised to us for many years already back to when Brandon was on the show, but have never really happened. And okay. I'm kind of hoping at some point that this stuff kind of becomes a reality. Yeah, I think it really needs to happen because what 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 do these races mean besides the top guys winning? What does it mean to everybody else as far as yeah? I mean, positioning? my my theory that we've gone over right is um, you race, it's your results and your activities logged. In order to get sponsorships, you have to prove that you're that you're active, and it would also show what your results are in the average classes that you race. Mm-hmm. So right there, you're taking care of a lot of things. You're only giving um, these um, either sponsorships or uh, deals or um, help to people that really earn it. And uh, for the people that don't do it, they don't, um, and they don't qualify on there. They don't get it. I think that takes care of that part. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then it takes care of a lot of other things besides that. It gives you reasons to continue and goals and ways to improve yeah, or that type of a stuff. Reason to go to which a certain right now, track or whatever. Yeah, which which right now is um basically people race just I mean, of course they like it and they like the cars, but once they get into all this, they just seek out every sponsor, any sponsorship they can get. And they just take all the, you know, the best deals they can get. And and then pretty soon they're not really a part of the hobby anymore. Um, from a consumer standpoint, um, they're just users of, of the equipment. Mm. So, um, so a lot of that stuff has, um, you know, kind of had some adverse effects out there. But like you said, you see a lot of these events. There is still a lot of racing activity that people are doing. Um, but it's also spread out between all these different classes we talked about. There is so much stuff. Um, and it's just spread out. You know, uh, back when I was running in the 90s, there was two-wheel two-wheel drive and truck four-wheel didn't exist at that time it died um uh, you ran a little on road here and there but for the most part you you were one or the other Uh, there was no eight scale entered the picture really at that time Uh, but now it's like you know you think about everything that we have um you know 10 scale off-road eight scale off-road there's fifth scale off-road there's touring car or there's all the on-road classes there's fifth scale on-road there's eight scale on-road there's um then you get into monster trucks and scale trucks and uh, you know trophy trucks short course truck i mean you can just go down the line there's like so much stuff so you, you spread all these out give people all these options it starts to cut everything up much more. It's not that there's not a lot of action out there, but it really has cut everything up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we can start going through some of these questions we've already gotten. Um, Al DePaulo, DePaulo, he's asking what the best class of RC to get into as a new racer. 
Uh, I think it's still as a, just a fresh racer. It's still hard to beat a two wheel drive buggy uh, to get into as a new racer. Um, but the eight scale, and that's probably the cheapest one to get into and have a good time. Eight scale probably has a little bit more, um, like kick to it. There's, uh, maybe a little larger appeal at the moment, eight scale, but it's also probably the most expensive. So you kind of have to weigh those things, but I still think those are the best, um, I know short course trucks still sell really well as an entry level vehicle because there's a lot of them out there. Um, you know, that could be changing down the road, but as a racer, that's probably it. Uh, Joe Zayer, he's asking, have you a question? Would you be down for an RC podcast network where racers could find all of the RC podcasts hmm. in one place? Like podcast one or gas digital network. Oh, RC Racing Podcast Network. Yeah, my guess it would be kind of like being a, in a group on Facebook, right? Like something like that. Nah, I don't want to work with anybody. Screw you guys. <laughs> You're probably the easiest guy to work with. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to say. How many podcasts are there now out there in RC? I can't even. I, I would say 20 ish. How many? I'd say 20 to. 20 20 RC podcasts out there? Oh, I'd say at least, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not know that. Well. Um, We got our buddy Kyle Predmore asking, when am I getting the Enduro, which is the new Element RC scale truck? Um, As soon as I can order one, I'm going to have one. So as soon as it can come in, I'll get one. We got uh, Kyle Predmore wants Allison on the show. Eh, that would probably be pretty fun. <clears throat> we got Eli Westrup asking about uh, the Aqua Compound, and uh, you know the one that we have out right now. We're considering A2 Compound, um, and then down the road there'll be an A3 if we need it. But uh, right now A2 is uh, the one that um, is in production. And A3 is just something we feel that we're going to have to have down the road. Uh, it's not really hurting us not to have it at the moment, but it's just something in addition. Uh, in uh, Yeah, so a- Aqua A2 that's out right now is marked with two blue dots, and then A3 would be three. Um, Will Britton is asking, um, do you think J Concepts tires could be the spec tire for the Chili Bowl in the future? Um, I mean, that would be nice. It would be great if they thought we had a, a the, the the right tire for that event. Uh, we certainly we went there this year um, to watch the event. It really wasn't so much about trying to get them to be our spec tire. Uh, we ran our tires on the track, but. That wasn't the main goal, but sure, of course, we'd like it to happen. Um, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't. Um, you know what they're doing right now is working for them. They're getting good turnout. People like it, as far as I can tell. So um, we'll just watch and see what happens from there. Um, 
Brad Shear is asking what the best newly released RC product is of 2019. Anything besides anything J Concepts. <laughs> um, man, I I haven't seen anything for racing that's that impressive. Um, as far as any cars, uh, nothing's really that standout-ish to me. Uh, if anything, I kind of feel like the the racing market is a little bit stale in terms of the designs of the cars and the products. What's happening is everybody's gravitating towards almost the exact same design for each vehicle. And it's getting kind of boring, to be honest. Hmm. Um it's any, everybody makes a little bit of a move. They have a new kit comes out, um, you know, has a couple new bells and whistles. And then, um, you know, the B74 is a great car. Um, it's going to win a lot of races. It's better than the B64. But do I think it's the best release <laughs> of 2019? No. It's, it's, so far, it's not. Um it doesn't mean that it's not the could be the most successful car in that category. It might be, but I don't think it's anything that's going to rocket ship the industry or change anything. Um, I, I would say from what I've seen so far, the most excitement and the most build I've seen on something has been this element RC Enduro. I think people are generally excited about this uh, scale truck from what would be Associated Electrics, but um, um, somehow, like we talked to Brad, they d they've done a good job of kind of positioning themselves in that market. And if the truck comes out of the box, doesn't have any issues, and is what they're claiming it to be, I think that's going to be the biggest release of 2019. Um, I haven't seen anything from Traxxas yet this year that's, you know, uh, blown my mind. Of course, their numbers, their sales numbers are always better than pretty much anybody else's, but you get kind of numb to it, you know, uh, to their success. But they need to pull the rabbit out of the hat. <laughs> uh, the thing that Traxxas has been doing is they've been making so many large vehicles, and I think although they're really cool, it prices a lot of people out of those classes. You know, they have these really cool vehicles, like, but they're making them so large that the price point is so high. And that really cuts a lot of people out of the business right away. You know, you have an $800, $900 kit. Um, it's pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, you, you think there's just something about being one tenth scale, one twelfth scale, one tenth scale, and one eighth scale. That's the happy spot in RC. Anything smaller is a gimmick. Anything bigger is kind of a gimmick. Oh. So you think my little um, sprint cars are a gimmick? Yeah. Okay. It's not that they don't sell or haven't had success in their own right, yeah. but they're just, it's not it's off the beaten path a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty known that anything under 12 scale is pretty much a stocking stuffer and anything 
you know, above eight scale or quarter scale is like just too big. It's like a real vehicle. And they're so expensive that it really limits your appeal. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everybody likes it, would like to have one, but it's like it takes the convenience out of it. It just, everything just is blown out the window, you know, to work on it is a chore. Um, you know, it's like you can't just throw it in the backseat of your car because, well, first of all, it probably doesn't fit in the backseat of the car. <laughs> yeah. And it's so nasty and dirty, those big cars, you can't, it, it's just I inconvenient. Yeah. They never appealed to me, but. They're awesome to watch, and, but I, I mean, how many people can buy it? You know, by the time you have it race ready, it's a $5,000 <laughs> fifth scale. I mean, it's just not super realistic. No. Um, I don't know. I watch them so, also, and I'm just not, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Well, they, they're very, they're very like in slow motion. Yeah. It looks know? like they're just kind of just going around. It's like, hmm. I mean, when you watch Ryan Mayfield drive an eight scale buggy, it's probably the coolest thing. Yes. You're just like, holy crap, this is awesome. I love and, eight scale. Yeah, it's it's awesome to watch. Love it. Love and, to watch. I wish and, I could race them, but I know I, I would never be able to do it. So, 10 scale off-road buggy to me is the ultimate challenge in terms of racing. Uh, it has everything. It has the precision and um, it has the you have to be a good driver, you have to be a good mechanic, you have to be a good tire guy, you have to have it all. And you have to um, you know, negotiate jumps. It has it really all. Um, it's like the ultimate challenge, the ultimate driver's class. But eight scale buggy is probably the most impressive to watch as a spectator. Um, and especially for somebody that doesn't know a lot about what it's like to drive one. They just look awesome. It'd probably be better if they looked more like something realistic, but that's just kind of how things go. So John Watkins, old buddy from uh, Australia. Yeah. He, he wants us to talk about the RCGP. Um, I think you have in the past right. episodes, but uh Get hit it again. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a little bit into that. But then we got uh, John Bolton was asking, how was the oval experience? Well, came away with a national championship. <laughs> 40 plus. <laughs> champion. You know, um, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. The whole race uh, The you know, anytime you start something like this, um, you don't know what the turnout's going to be like. The level of fail, you know, the the possibility for failure is there. Um, but the guys at Hobby Town put in a lot of effort with the track uh, driver stand update. Um, I mean, I can't really say there was anything wrong with the event <clears throat> from that standpoint. Um, we got racers to come in from all areas to run. Uh, we didn't get a big turnout, but we knew that starting it. But we knew if we never started it, you're never going to get anywhere. So um, we had racers in pretty much every class, I believe. And the most popular was the Outlaw Sprint. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. 
Um, I think next time we do it, I'll try to ask Alex making the track a little bigger. And, um, but I don't think that the surface could have been any better. I, I, I can't imagine there being a better surface to run rubber tires than that. Um, I shared a car with a Will Britton. Uh, I bought a car on Facebook about a, over a year ago, and it's been sitting around. Mac Davis at the shop here put electrical in it at one point. I said, hey, I'll bring it. Will Britton says, hey, I want to run. The, so the plan initially was to just give him the car. He was going to run Outlaw Sprint. So then he starts running, and he was having me drive it. We were trying to figure out what to do. And I was like, well, I might as well just drive this thing in 40 plus. <laughs> and so Mop I up on 40, these guys. 40 plus. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I'll go back into that. But um, <laughs> So you know, we shared the car. Uh, we used the same set of tires between both of us for the whole event. So that – was all of our practices, all of our qualifiers and the mains. We figured like there was probably, we maybe had like a thousand laps between the two of us because every qualifier you got 50 plus laps. Plus you probably did 20 warm up laps and then your practice and everything else. So it adds up super fast. But anyway, yeah, I ended up winning the main, um, the wolf man who was the TQ in the class he actually had the fastest time of the whole weekend in over 40. Hmm. He, he, uh, he had a better qualifying time than Max did in the outlaw sprint. Wow. Uh, and he was T so he was TQ in our class. And then, uh, Jeremy Kathleen, who helped us a ton with our car, we didn't know what we were doing. And he's like, Oh, you know, helped us. Uh, a lot of guys helped, which was nice. And then in the main, the Wolfman got into some traffic. He broke the car. Uh, Jeremy got in the lead. He made a mistake. I got in the lead, and I didn't give it up. Um, and then Max dominated the other classes. So, Rip Army. Yeah, it was a, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, we got some good photos, video. We released some product. It was fun. Definitely like to do it again. <laughs> um, yeah he's another question from him uh, Enzo we talked about the, the worlds being on that track uh, Hootie's track and then uh, John Bolton said that many bumps and jumps guys pay no respect to dirt oval but have never tried it now that you have expanded your range of types of RC how do you compare well <clears throat> like somebody was asking me that earlier about monster trucks versus dirt oval, but uh, what what I noticed right away about the oval is um, the smallest differences end up um, meaning laps. <laughs> so you know it's possible that. You know, you could only be off on your hot lap by one-tenth of a second, but at the end of your qualifier, that might be three laps depending on the size of the track. So um, from the standpoint of having to be on the money with your setup and the precision of your driving, 
it's got to go right up there with anything there is in terms of, you know, I'm sure with uh, like pave, even, you know, asphalt oval or any of those, any kind of oval, um, the setup of the car and the, the short distance of the lap means that it's just that much more critical. And it's not like off-road where if you're a super talented driver, you can make up the difference. Um, you know, in the off-road, you might not have the best car, but because you're a talented driver, you can kind of overcome maybe some shortcomings of your setup or whatever. But in this, like when we got there, the car we were driving, we were doing 4.5 second laps, which, you know, you're driving around, you're just thinking, oh, it feels okay, you know, it's kind of pushy. But you're like, all right, so what's a good lap time? People are like, oh, four O's. It's like, oh, we're doing four fives. It's like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> dope yeah like we're a half a second off a lap on a track that's only four seconds <laughs> you Jesus. know it's like we're getting lapped like every five or six laps or whatever it is <laughs> that's not gonna work nope so you start you start getting dialed in pretty soon you're at four threes and then you're at four twos you get a four one <clears throat> then you're at four rows and you're like trying you feel like you're making headway and uh that gap isn't as big as it was. Um, but you, you can't really do it with the driving like you can in off-road where, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, if you're watching like a Mayfield lap or something, and he's like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just power down through this section more than I did over here. And you know, where my car is not good here, I'll make up for it over there. And pretty soon you know, the, the lap times are there. But in this, it's not like you can just charge into the turns any different because you just push off the track or lose all your momentum or corner speed. Like the car has to be right. So I think that was kind of the fun part about it is trying to climb the ladder a little with the lap times and get the car a little better. Uh, I think it, in its own right, like I was saying earlier, like all these forms are difficult in their own right. And I think what I saw was there was several off-road racers running this dirt oval race and they like it. They really like it. Um, if you have to ask some of them, Hey, do you like this better than your off-road? They like they're they probably will say no only because it's the popular thing for them to say with their buddies, but they're really liking it. Hmm. Um, and then John Bolton asking again about RCGP. Um, what's the like uh, what's the mini controversies going on? What's that about? Well, um, I think the one was I, I, I try not to follow all these, <laughs> and I don't really follow. Don't. So <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to like get too involved. But yeah, what I one of them was after the very first event in the Philippines, they notified Scotty Ernst that they weren't going to have him do every race. I guess going into it, Scotty Ernst kind of assumed or was under an agreement with them that he was going to be doing every race as the announcer hmm. okay. and race director or whatever. So it sounds like after the first event, they basically said that they couldn't afford him and they might not use him at every race. Oh. Um, 
And then that kind of sparked some controversy and then it kind of spilled into something else. And then it's everybody, you know, then they're making posts to apologize, not or apologize or um, set the record straight. And it's just kind of been a mess. Oh boy. Does that have to be drama and, and everything? <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> and it's kind of hurting the series in a way hmm. uh, because I think people are now, they were hoping to create drama on the track, on the, on the track. Right. And the only drama being created is just revolving around the series itself, ah. which is kind of, kind of ironic to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I, my personal opinion is it's not going to work. I told these guys that, uh, I've told people before, I don't think this is the direction to go. Um, I don't think that it's going to do anything for the hobby um, other than just add more races. Uh, I think the last thing that we need right now is more <clears throat> events that showcase the top tri top drivers and limit the entries. I don't think that's the way that this industry works. I think the way this works is people want to um, – this is a participation sport, not a spectator sport. And they think they're going to get viewers and spectators and all this kind of stuff to want to do this. But what I think is you want people to participate in this. And I think people want to participate by seeing something they like. Does it, um, does it look fun to them? And um, all these kind of little factors. I don't think it really makes a difference to them if they see a great race between uh, Davide Angaro and David Ronafalk. I don't think that's their, I don't think that's going to capture people into wanting to buy a $2,000 eight scale car. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's be honest. If you're, if you're watching the RCG, the best case scenario is the RCGP. Um, it, it looked before we get into that, the, the event in the Philippines, it, it did look great in the pits. I did like their interviews. The track, I mean, that track in the Philippines, from a picture standpoint, looks amazing. Um, but that's not what this is judged on. This was supposed to be judged on, in my opinion, on getting more people into RC. It's not that you can just put on a good race because there's a thousand good races out there. Um they their calling card was supposed to be oh we're going to introduce new people to RC okay right <clears throat> so um, there's creep. no spectators in the Philippines there's nobody yeah. there was nobody watching um sure they say that they're gonna eventually when things pick up they'll move to a an event where it's they can run simultaneously with um a motocross event or rally cars or something, which that's where you need to sure you, that's the point it'd be nice to get to, but you can't, um, um, they're not there. They're just having another race with no spectators and they're starting all at once. <clears throat> so I don't think that that part's going to work. So, so let's, so let's start by saying, say, Best case scenario, you have this race and you had spectators and they're watching the race and they're watching 
Davide Angaro and David Rodolfol, two of the best, if not the best guys in the world, <laughs> battle it out. And they say, okay, I want to buy one of these cars. None of them are for sale at the track, as far as I know. Maybe you can get a JQ car. I'm not sure. Um, you can't buy them at the track, so that means you got to go online. So now, um, sure, the branding becomes important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I remember HP Racing or do I remember uh, Team, you know, Scuderi, Scampi out of Italy running associated cars, whatever. Do I remember that stuff? Hopefully. But then they go home and they realize, all right, I can't buy one of these cars ready to run. I have to build it myself. Um, you know, the thing, if I add all this up, I put everything in my shopping cart from somewhere that I found. <clears throat> it's a $2,000 heat scale buggy. And they're going to go, holy crap, where am I going to get $2,000 from? Um, unless they're an adult and they're buying it for themselves, for themselves. So then you're thinking, all right, well, they're like, Hey, what kind of, what's the cheap RC cars out here? Oh, well maybe I can get this Traxxas or I can get this uh, other car or these are $250. Well, maybe I'll just get one of these. This is the best case scenario is somebody watching this comes back and says, Hey, I'm going to buy a Traxxas because it's $250 and it looks like I can beat the crap out of it. Um, I think that's really the best case scenario. And so what we've done is we've went through, jumped through all these hoops. We've made the manufacturers pay all this money to be involved. Um, sure. It looks cool. The track looks cool. The V day and Ronald Falk look awesome racing together, but at the end of the day, all we did is sell Traxxas another car. We didn't sell anything for our racing customers. And sure, maybe you can sponsor some people out there, or there's a couple people that you drag into it just because they're just hardcore gearheads that have to have what they saw. Maybe there's a couple of those guys out there, but we already have that. We already have all these other events that can do that exact same thing. Um, so I don't see this, I don't see this working at all. <clears throat> and I've told people that I just, I just don't buy it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's centered around the fastest guys, um, which everybody likes to watch the fastest guys, but at the end of the day, um, it gets a little old. Um, you see these same guys over and over again and they're like, yeah, I know that they have success. I get it. But what kind you know, how much fun is this for me? You know, what, what am I getting out of it? And, um, so, you know, there, there are ideas to make it more like a formula one or a spectator sport or motocross or supercross, which is cool. But I just don't think that we're even close to that type of, uh, that type of thing. And um, I think there's other ways to go about getting more people interested in racing, but it has to be more baby steps. Um, There has to be um, something that's um, more price point attractive. 
uh, to get you in the door. They can experience it, a uh, way to try it, a way to keep the cost down for them to get hooked. Um, and right now, the best people at that in the business are the Traxxas and all those people or those companies. They're the best equipped, but they're the ones not sponsoring or participating in any of these events. Um, so, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't think it's going to work. I mean, the biggest highlight we saw or that I saw was, um, some kind of crazy whip that David Ronefall did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so the only thing we got out of this whole thing was a video of him doing a whip over a jump. Well, um, it is a whip. And it's not that it wasn't cool, but it can be pulled off at any time by anybody. Um, I just, I'm not buying it. I just, I don't think that it's going to work. There's some things that I do like about it. Um, From a racing standpoint, uh, that would be nice to have incorporated into other events we already do. But it's not going to get anybody new into the hobby. That's my opinion. Oh, well, will you be making a short course modified body? Uh, I don't know if that we're going to go down that road yet. Um, that's probably the most difficult one to make cause it's got so many parts. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think that one's probably going to be the the last one on the list because it has the most amount of parts. <clears throat> Will JC make a sprint car body that is easy to take off to change the battery? Will Britain? I don't think that's the highest on the list. <clears throat> I agree with him. That is a big thing. But, uh, yeah, it's something that's maybe down the road. I see Jake Ingstrom here. Tell us about the tires on your 40 plus outlaw car. Well, the one in the video, we just did a video, a vlog where I put a new set of tires on it that we haven't shown before. Uh, And uh, they're called the the sprinter tires, which are going to be good for off-road and dirt oval actually. So I put them on the car just to see if anybody would notice in my picture and then in the video. But um, we didn't actually use those tires at the race. We ran um, Ellipse and Dirt Webs were the control tires. But, uh, but yeah, there's, those tires are going to be out. Two-wheel fronts, two-wheel rears, and four-wheel fronts. So three different tires coming soon. <clears throat> he said, nice to see a street stock body and a late model body coming out. Any chance of a VTA? Um, probably not yet. I'd, I'd like to make a 67 ford mustang i think there might be one out there already but that was one i was thinking of but vta is definitely a little niche also but i I think they're cool um he's asking if the jc development team is being stretched thin with all these things that we're in uh probably (laughs) no question that it takes a lot of time um but that's how it is ask anybody that's tries to be successful in anything it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of commitment and uh um 
putting the right people in the right places. And that's part of our responsibility to make sure that it can work. And if it does work, then it's rewarding. Gotta hustle, hustle, do dirty, do dirty work like Rodman. I was just, you know, (laughs) watching this video today somewhere. Uh, It was a guy talking about how they used to do things and, <clears throat> in the old days and the guys explained it. he's like look he's like um this was a, a old school monster truck guy he's like he's like i worked a full-time job mm-hmm. he's like i worked on the monster truck at night he's like we did shows with it on the weekend when we broke it i still went to my real job i still worked on it at night still got it ready for the other shows and then did everything else in between you know the bookings the promotional items and it's like he goes i didn't sleep He's like, I would sleep like, you know, three hours a night, you know, like he's like, but that's what we did. He goes, and I, I liked it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so you can see if you're going to have success, you better be, you better be prepared to put in the work. Mm-hmm. That's what, uh, Draymond Green said. Yep. And you know what? If you're willing to put into the putting put into put in the work, I don't have a problem with anybody having success. It's the people that try to take the shortcuts um, and are trying to benefit from something that somebody else, um, you know, the guy the the coattail things where it's like um, um, that's kind of hard to explain, but it, it's a lot of work. You're never gonna, you're never gonna be perfect. You're never gonna be able to beat up on everyone. There's always that bigger bully, but you can keep, you can keep trying. Yeah, you guys need to refer to the Draymond speech. It's exactly what you're talking about, Jason. Absolutely. It is. I'll have to share it to our page. Maybe I'll share it on the page there, and everybody be like, "What the hell, basketball?" But it's a good speech. It is. Is you finally that's what's kind of good about some him or some of the other guys is they don't they're not afraid to just like basically tell some things the way it is. A lot of the guys go up there and they just kind of they tell you the the simple answer to the to the question. Um, the politically either the politically correct or the the response you want to hear. You know, I, there's nothing worse than listening to those interviews when they just answer them with actually no real information. Tim Tunerman, are colored spur gears making a comeback? No. That was a new x-ray item. They released orange spur gears today. Oh, all right. The tough part is matching your anodizing to that orange. Because you got like the plastic orange and then you got like anodized orange. They kind of clash. Yeah. It used to make sense how Losi did it when they would change the color of the gear for the tooth count. Yeah. So right. it was like, oh, you'd run a green spur was this and a red one was this. And then it was like, you didn't, you know, that was a great way to do it. I mean, it looks a little clownish, but it makes sense. That's how they did their springs too. Eventually yeah. they, you know, powder coated them all these. And then all and then all the guys clown colors <laughs> and then all the guys were taken <laughs> uh, man. And, then, and then guys eventually were like taking off the powder coating 
so they couldn't tell what springs they were running. Like, you know, I would show up to a track somewhere and the coating's off of them completely. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I used to dye mine. When I had the low-sea oh, springs, I'd dye them. You're fooling everybody. So they were- well, I was just interested in – I hated the clown color. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to make it like – you know, I made it black. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good stuff. Yeah, we better go before. NBA finals start at 930? Yeah, it's looking to already be on. Oh, man, we got to go. We're out of here. Episode 194 in the books. Go visit Jason's website, jconcepts.net. Visit us. Visit Gotti's new um, podcast, too. Ripcast Chaos. Ripcast Chaos. Download it. It's in with the Ripcast. I just put it in there to make it easy for everybody else. Yeah, I, I had no idea if I should separate or not. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just throw it in there. So episode one is in the mix right now. It was uh, uploaded okay. yesterday, which was uh, <laughs> Wednesday. So that's uploaded. Episode one. A good friend of mine from back in school days, Steve Masker, on the show with us on Ripcast Chaos. And uh looks like we might be booking Allison for that one. She's down for it, she said. Nice. So see how that goes. Imagine me on a on a podcast talking talking to Allison about health foods and exercising. <laughs> yeah. You'll be like, so uh which which brand bird seed should I buy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, let's go watch some basketball, eat some food, pack up for the next race. We'll do. Catch you on episode 195. Later. Yes, you put it succinctly. Suck what? Succinctly, it means perfectly. Oh, yeah, man, I do that. <laughs>